What's up, you guys? This is Stardom alum, former two-time NXT Women's Champion, former two-time WWE Tag Team Champion, current WWE Superstar, Shayna, two-time, and you are listening to the awesome, the one and only, Wrestle In. Are you going to do it? I'm not doing it. You've got to do it. You can't. You can't make me do it. I'm not going <laughs> to. How else are the listeners going to know that it's, the podcast has started? Okay, hi everyone. You're listening to Tokyo Joshi Freedom Fight. Oh, get on with the fucking podcast. <laughs> it's Tokyo Joshi Freedom Fighters, a wrestling podcast, part of the Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, my, I am Sam. I'm joined by my uh, slightly uh, depressed-sounding co-host Finley today. Uh, and we are doing a wonderful review of everything that's happened in January so far in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, the weirdest and wo- most wonderful pro wrestling promotion on the planet. Uh, if you're wondering why Finley sounds so depressed, uh, we will be getting into that shortly. Uh, I promise it has nothing to do with uh, world events or his personal life or anything of actual significance. Uh, I would argue is this really... is more important than any world event, but we will get on to that. I'd... Okay, maybe. Fair enough. I think the Ukrainians would disagree with you, but <laughs> let's carry on with the podcast. Um, we started, you may remember, we had our first episode in December, uh, had a lot of positive reactions, slightly, some slightly negative ones, uh, mostly surrounded about the fact that people were confused as to why I have a vendetta against Suzume. Um, people saying that maybe it's a bit alienating, maybe it's a bit weird, maybe I should actually explain um, my blood feud against this very popular wrestler. And to those people, I say, no, I shall not explain it. Um, the clues are all there. You can find out for yourself. And, and we, we actually, to... we, we haven't spoken since that episode. Like We haven't, no. No, we're not at all. The, uh, we actually we have to, it takes like several hours of convincing before every episode to get us into the discord to talk to each other yes but here i am uh, against my against my will um we're doing it for the better the the for the sake of the fans really um so yeah be grateful well, all the all the fans that you know after the our first episode were so kind and so encouraging um we decided to take all of that goodwill and that momentum and then do nothing for a month yeah, um, yes. that's that's what you're supposed to do when you follow to follow up like a successful start is to just sit about and do nothing. Just go radio silent for a whole month, like completely. Uh... <laughs> In my defense, it did take you know it took a lot of convincing to get Finley to actually say anything um, because after recent results, he has I think you at one point were threatening to take a vow of silence. It has been a very difficult month for me. It's all I can do not to just deactivate my Twitter, leave flee my entire life, and just go live in a cave a la Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. This has been a very, very rough month for me. Um, I don't want to be here. I don't really want to acknowledge Tokyo Joshi as a promotion, but I'm here. I'm dedicated. I am a loyal podcast host. I'm getting through my catatonic depression to deliver content for wrestling. So, just like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, everyone sit down, open up a nice warm cup of green milk and let's get into the show so we'll begin straight from the nipple (laughs) straight from the nipple (laughs) here comes and here comes our 
our review of Tokyo Joshi's January straight from the nipple. That's a new phrase. We've invented a new phrase. There you go. Uh, so we'll start where Tokyo Joshi starts the year, every year, with Iten Yon, the 4th of January show. Uh, obviously, the biggest wrestling show that happens on January the 4th in the Greater Tokyo area. Um, nothing Absolutely. comes close. Yeah, nothing nothing comes close. Um, I don't know. When I actually attended this show. It's my first ever TJPW show in person. Um, I was slightly confused because there seems to be like a lot of people walking past the Corican Hall to go into the Tokyo Dome for something. Um, I heard there was some kind of like indie event going on in the Tokyo Dome. I'm not sure. I thought it was like some sort of royalist rally. I kept seeing signs of the kingdom on it. Yeah, very possibly. Yeah, I mean, I thought maybe Prince uh... Harry, maybe Prince Harry was having a book event or something. I don't know. Very possibly. Yeah. I heard there was some guy like who people were excited to see come back, but I don't. I, I don't pay attention to kind of small feds like that. So small feds, people coming back, coming ugh, coming back. TJPW doesn't need to come back because it never went away. Yes, we're always here. Always, always. We have nothing else going for us in our lives. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get even. Before I get as depressed as Finley is, let's move on. So the January 4th show, the way TJPW kicks off the start of every single year, as it has for the last, how many now? Nine years, is it? 20, 2016 was the first one. Yeah, well that's 2016. Hello? Seven years? Seven years. My maths is terrible. There we go. <laughs> so TJPW... Uh, 2023 uh it's all a bit of a, i'll be honest i was there in a row very close to the front i was quite nervous and it was all it all went into a bit of a blur for me uh i don't <laughs> it's all just some sort of like beautiful mesh out of body experience with rainbows and uh 60s experimental indian fusion music well, something that I appreciated was that you, you had time to go out of your way to tweet me a video of Yuki or I getting lariated by Max Lee Impaler. I think the fact you could have just sat there and enjoyed the show, but you took time out of your day to spite me whilst you were there. Yes, well, why do, I was going to start chronologically in the matches, but let's jump to this. Let's get this out of the way. We'll yeah. get on to why Finley is so angry and depressed and not at all his usual whimsical self. Uh, the tag team title match, uh, Reiwa Double A Cannon, Yuki Rai, and Saki Akai versus the Wasteland War Party. <laughs> Who right. I have to say, I absolutely, I'm just going to start off and say, I absolutely adore. I never saw them wrestle before they came to TJPW. And now that I have, I absolutely adore them. And it's not because I'm afraid they'll eat me. It's right. well genuinely, I appreciate them as wrestlers. We had we had very different experiences of this show because of course I mean we'll get on to some of your meet and greet experiences but you were palling up with people like Miyu Watanabe I got cyber bullied by Heidi Howitzer after this match because obviously right so for those of you who don't know I spent the majority of last podcast heaping praise upon Ray with Double A Cannon I love them they were having the run of their lives they won the prestigious Tokyo Joshi Freedom Fighters Tag Team of the Year award. They were heading into Itanyon. It, it was it was very it was very close. It was it was, it was very close. 
look, they, they won. That's what matters. They were heading into Italian on the back of an incredible reign. And look, this was going to be their year. I was excited. The fans were excited. And then they lost. And it was like my entire world had lost its meaning. And I was there. I was distraught. I tweeted my sadness on Twitter. And I got a reply from Heidi Howitzer tweeting that she wasn't sorry. Like that's like that that she wasn't sorry. That's like running over somebody's dog and then showing up at their house with the rotting carcass and going, Oh, I would do this again. I was I was distraught and I have been in a state of just utter catatonic misery for the entirety of January. I don't like they had so much well, more I, to do. I I think this is a I think one, that's a ridiculous analogy because Heidi Howitzer is an inhabitant of the wasteland. She wouldn't give back the carcass of the dog. She would keep it and eat it because you need all the meat you can in the wasteland. Uh, second part, um, if you're a long-time TJP... Listeners, if you're a long-time TJPW fan, uh, you maybe ex- have experienced the particular emotional roller coaster that uh, Finley is currently going through. Um, it's... It starts with getting really excited about a wrestler who has, you know, had this perfect build, has generated this real, uh, authentic or organic uh, passion for them, uh, and then set you decide within your heart that this wrestler must be the 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 only way is up. They cannot go down. Uh, but of course, TJPW is not. A cartoon it's not a fairy tale and i think as much as anything they want to get across that even when you're on the up life will turn around and kick you in the balls and that is what i think i would say metaphorically but it does really feel like you've genuinely been kicked in the balls it does it feels like i've been uh neutered it feels like i've had my balls torn off and just dangled in front of me this has been the most horrible humiliating moment of my entire life like think of how blessed we could have been we could have been going into grand princess ray with double a cannon with the belts against somebody like i don't know free wi-fi another fan favorite but no these wasteland dickheads come in and just tear my life apart and take my dreams away from me and now i'm here like i I don't know what to do i don't like wrestling was the one refuge i had from the misery of my life and now it's just like Everything is wrong. <sighs> well, do you know where you can what you can take refuge in? What? It's that TJPW has another wonderful new wrestler. Who is that? Kimawari. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, you didn't know that despite having watched her for how many shows has she been on now because we took forever to record this podcast. I think she's been on four shows now. She's basically a veteran. She basically is. I mean, him. In fact, she's such a veteran that she may or may not have had two wrestling matches before she even debuted. That's how experienced she is. Wow. Uh, but we're, we're not going to talk about that. This is Tokyo Joshi Freedom Fighters. We're not talking about other promotions. <laughs> if we can avoid it. even We're not even... Discussing the one where the current Tokyo Joshi champion is active. Anyway. <laughs> but Himawari, uh, for those of you who don't know, Himawari had a couple of matches in Actress Girls, which I think 
I think is a wrestling promotion, but they also say they're an acting promotion, but their acting largely consists of wrestling matches. So I, I, it's very confusing. Suffice to it's say, a, a sports entertainment promotion. It is, it is a very sports entertainment promotion. That's probably the perfect way to d- describe it. Anyway, Himawari had a couple matches there, uh, l- disappeared from the company, and then has popped up as a new TJPW trainee. Um, which, and I think a lot of people were quite happy to see that. Uh, there have been, since the, she debuted in TJPW, uh, people, TJPW does not seem to have to acknowledge uh actress girls as wrestling um and they're the two or three people on the internet in english who care about actress girls uh were very annoyed about that but besides that's besides the point (laughs) we're tjpw this is the big leagues yes we're shooting on all the small indie feds this is this is the the big boy promotion yeah, the big boys, the the big scary comedy yeah. idol promotion. Fuck you, wave fans. This is TJPW. <laughs> Let's start a gang war with the Joshi <laughs> Indies. Uh, but Himawari debuted in at uh, January fourth for TJPW, and almost immediately, um, absolute delight because she started doing against Yuki Aino. She did. A drop down, and then she did a drop down, and then she did a drop down, and then she did another drop down. Uh, and what did she do after that, Finley? She did a spin. She did a spin. Oh, I thought yeah. she did another drop down, but no, she no, did a no, spin. She did a, she, I, I would argue that she is the greatest spinning wrestler in the entirety of Tokyo Joshi. I can't think of anyone who does um, more iconic spins than that woman. Uh, we're just going to move past that. I'm going to put that down to your severe depression that you're currently going through. Well, but, but yes, most most importantly, her hair is amazing. The amount her of hair. hair-based offense that she's like for a roster that's so like sadistic and so innovative in how it's sadistic, having somebody with that much hair to kind of manipulate and torture is an absolute blessing. Like the amount of just like ridiculous hair-based offense that she's been put yeah. through. The amount of hair-based offense that she has A, executed herself and B, has been executed upon her. Yes. It's, it really goes into another level. It, it's, she has taken the Bianca Belair idea of whipping someone with your hair to the nth degree. Absolutely. It's like throwing meat to wolves. It's like um, free Wi-Fi have a spot inexplicably well they'll just like eat their opponent's hair i'm not sure if they faced himawari yet but that's like that's gold like that's so much hair that you can eat that's so much hair you can eat and uh fast forwarding a bit from the january 4th show uh himawari had a match in which she teamed with rika tatsumi mind you teamed with rika tatsumi not not wrestled against her teamed with rika tatsumi and um the hair it basically got dragged around by her hair for about 15 minutes. Yes. that's You, you don't team with Rika and expect to come out of that unscathed. Yeah. Uh, so Himawari, um, a innovator of both hair-based offense and also taking extremely simple, um, almost like wrestling uh, sort of moves and just general language and in-between moves 
that are so basic and simple that you don't even think about them half the time and then doing something weird with them. Absolutely, yeah. Like she's like doing the drop down doing the infinity drop downs or uh in the show that we just finished watching actually today on the we're recording this on January the nineteenth. Uh she did a Irish whip where she just kept instead of whipping the opponent, just kept spinning with them for a little bit. <laughs> um but it's it's things like that. It's that just immediately leap out to you because it's these kind of things like Irish whips, drop downs, they're so part of the course in wrestling that you forget they're even there most of the time. And then when someone does something, like actually does something with them, it's so unexpected that you just can't help but take notice. And I think that's, I think it shows the future's really bright for her. Absolutely. Also, must be said, banger entrance theme. Fantastic entrance theme. The the weirdest entrance theme I've ever heard. I heard it. I remember hearing it live and always jumping out my seat. It was the strangest. <laughs> uh, it was a strange experience. It was not as odd as an experience as Trisha Dora's entrance theme on the same show, uh, <laughs> which starts with a sample of the opening of the Lion King, um, which actually that was it, it was a no. It was a sold-out show, so there was no uh, cheering allowed. But there was a very audible... Where I was sitting, there was a very audible, like, what the fuck from everyone <laughs> around me when that music hit. Um, so, yeah. Himawari, a completely bizarre entrance theme. Uh, some really inventive moves. Also, must be said, um, her gear does remind me very much of a New York taxi cab. So, Whenever I picture her talking, it's with a very thick New York accent now. I, I could buy that. Actually. I think that would be a fantastic addition to the gimmick. It's just having a really... Hey, thick, I'm, like... I'm Himawadi. I'm walking here. <laughs> I'm the drop-down god. <laughs> Dan, Danny DeVito making uh, his TJPW debut. Danny DeVito. Can you imagine a better celebrity guest for TJPW than Danny DeVito. That would be, they should get him on the next pool show. That would be yeah, fantastic. Imagine him and Haruna Neko tag teaming. <laughs> They're the same height. Be amazing. Anyway, so we've covered now him or her debut. Uh, she's been, yeah, as he said, we. I meant to start by covering her debut match, but we sort of just done a general Himawari intro. Uh, Himawari appreciation. Himawari appreciation. We'll do. Let's make that an, a reoccurring segment. Himawari <laughs> appreciation. We need like a jingle for it, like Himawari appreciation. That was. Well, it's got to be something. It's got to be like. <laughs> it's got to be something like uh, Dustin Hoffman saying, "I'm walking here," but it's in some way connected to Himawari. I'm not trying that accent. I've already embarrassed myself enough with with musical. I'm a sunflower here. Oh, that was good, actually. Yeah, we're using that. We'll sample that and then use it. I'm a sunflower here. Okay, that's the new that's the new music sting for the Himawari appreciation segment. Okay. Perfect. Um, other important important news to come out of the January 4th show, aside from a lot of little fun matches that happened. Trishadora versus Miyu Watanabe. Uh, Trishadora, I've seen a couple of her matches on the American Indies. Uh, Generally, 
it seems to me in America at the moment, if you're a woman who's even halfway decent, you get signed by big companies. Um, yeah. And Trisha Dora is much more than halfway decent. So it is perplexing why she remains an unsigned talent in that market. Um, she, I thought she was just absolutely great here. A great guest. Uh, fitted in. She's not like an ex she's very strong and she's very tall and but she's not like an explosive athlete. She has a very grounded style and that really that actually really suited TJPW, I think. Yeah, like she's kind of like in a weird way, kind of like the inverse of Miyu Watanabe. There are a lot of like kind of power offs in this match where it was clear that like both of them are kind of strength based wrestlers, but Miyu's much more kind of dynamic and explosive, and Trish is more grounded and kind of grapple heavy. Um, so it works well. Yeah, kind of like, very, uh, very, um, very targeted, uh, very limb worky, um, a real sort of. She reminded me a little, and I, I've seen them. I think this is just because I saw their match together, and I remember really liking it. Of Lee Moriarty, in the way that it is just like very scientific sort of intelligent focused um not extravagant but at the same time like just very solid uh wrestling yeah like that's the thing like tjpw is really good at just like fundamental uh you know because like for a comedy yeah. promotion the wrestling is genuinely really good and it's really good at just like basic solid fundamental you know good limb work it's um it, it's the unique tjpw yeah. style of like not particularly it's not by the modern standards it's not flashy it's quite and it's quite pared down but it's very fundamentally sound and the fact and we'll get on to actually this later if when we talk about the main event of it Enyon, when something does happen that is outside of that stuff it really sticks out um yes. in the, so yeah uh, Miyu Watanabe versus Trisha Dora, another great defense for Miyu. Another new way to swing someone around in a circle. Um, she <laughs> continues to find them. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, a new record for how close Miyu Watanabe can get her face to the camera lens. Um, yeah, I've, that, that's sort of your um, profile picture now, isn't it? Is Miyu just burying you, her head into the camera? Yes, I, I remember seeing that live and not having my not capturing that with a photo and wanting to kill myself for not doing it. Um, it truly, <laughs> truly, one one of the most magical things I've ever witnessed is Miyu Watanabe sticking her whole face down the barrel of a camera. Yes, I think we should start doing that. Obviously, one of the requests actually from last time is that people want more mouth noises from this podcast, so I might just stick the microphone directly into my mouth as both an homage to me and also as a way to placate our sort of growing fan base. Um, I Okay, well, I would just say that whoever did request that, um, seek help, and to Finley, I, I'm pretty sure that was you on a burner. Well, look, there was at least one person, and that person might have been me, but does that really matter? Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on from this conversation. Oh, another day, another sort of debut that we should cover uh, was the match right after him, or his debut match, Wakana Uehara. Yes, yes, like, Wakana Uehara, very the winner. Kind of, um, 
well, yeah, the winner of the Dream on the Ring series, but also looking very Yuki Arai-esque on her debut. Um, yes, with her absolutely... So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Wakana Uehara was a, I think, grav, grav, maybe graviewer, sort of model slash talent sort of general personality uh, who was sort uh, asked by TJPW to partake in Dream on the Ring, which was a sort of TV slash web series about three of these sort of models slash talents slash personality people uh, training to become pro wrestlers. Uh, Wakana, a former kickboxer who really took to it. Like it was, it was kind of, it's, they were, it was only a few, they didn't have very long to train, but like just from, they had one match and it was immediately obvious that Wakana was quite a bit better than her competitors. Yes. Although shout out to Risako, who I also thought was quite good. But sadly, yeah, Risako, uh, think... Risako also very good. But sadly, Risako, uh, Risako, another competitor who was sadly much better at being a gravure idol, I understand, and has made a lot, <laughs> is making a lot more money doing that than she would in TJPW. Yes. Uh, so, Watana, uh, the only one from the Dream on the Ring series to decide to continue with pro wrestling, she made her official TJPW roster debut here against the Karate Girls. Uh, I still don't know their official name, but I believe it includes Karate in some way. I'd be surprised if it didn't. That would be a missed opportunity. It would be great. What if they were just the judo team? That would... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jiri and Nagano, Moko Miyamoto, Jiri and Nagano uh, are sort of Rookie of the Year of last year. Um, an absolute killer, a murderer, a destroyer. Um, someone that you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley at 2am uh, and Moka Miyamoto a very nice, very happy, very friendly uh, murderer, destroyer and killer uh, they I defeat, that was, description could apply to like most TJPW wrestlers it, 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 yeah, yeah there's not a lot of um, uh, what's the word uh, sympathy no, yeah, they're like utter sociopaths, a lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think there's one wrestler who isn't a sociopath on the roster. It is probably Wakana's tag partner, Arisendo. Uh, Endo, who I think helped train the Dream on the Ring Girls. And we talked about before, I think, about how she's so, so good and yet still sort of still not sort of still has not won a match by herself yeah Arisu is getting the treatment that Hikari Noah fans think Hikari Noah is getting um which I mean Hikari Noah could be doing better but Arisu is just constantly like she's putting in I mean there must be some kind of story there as to why Arisu isn't getting um singles victories I, I imagine that when she does first get one it's going to be a significant moment well I um, think that's that's the point isn't it it's it's this uh, very likable uh, underdog um, with who's just getting better and better every single time she steps in the ring and she's very clearly very highly valued within the promotion I think because I mean like I said I think she was tra helping train the dream on the ring girls mm -hmm. so she's clearly a sort of valued hand 
uh, within TJPW. I don't think it's an accident that she keeps getting these, like, this was, this was actually, um, so this sort of second match on the card, tag match, this is the sort of match you'd expect someone who has not got a first singles win to be in. But it's very, it's actually kind of low for where Endo normally ends up on these Corican cards. So I do think they, there is something, there is sort of a long-term plan here with her sort of improvement and betterment and where she will end up. Yes. Otherwise, she will go down as the kind of Kurt Hawkins of TJPW, and nobody wants that. Um, I mean, was were many people saying that Kurt Hawkins should win titles? I was. I, I was a Kurt Hawkins diehard. I, I'm I'm honestly not sure how to react to that because I don't think anyone's ever said that in the history there are of ever. Us. I t- yeah. <laughs> Are those are the dozens of us in the room with us right now? Um, right. Anyway, um... <laughs> uh, so uh, next match, six man tag team match: Kaya Torabami, Mahiro Kiryu. Well, six man, sort of uh, three. Wait, what? Uh, oh, I've got to count this again. Uh, two women, one bird, one cat, one child, and one god match. Yes. Yeah, so Kaya, Kaya Torbami, Mahiro Kiyu, Nao Kakata, Harunaneko, Tom Harajuku, and Raku. This was the most kind of like Torsho-ish match on the card. It was just one of those, like, everyone get your shit in, Mahiro, cry a bit, Raku, do your thing, Pom, shout a lot. Um, this kick is exactly shins. what you'd expect. Like, yeah, <laughs> kick some shins. Um, do the, do the uh, Oyasumi Express and then now wins. That's kind of the. I oh I did I get I mean, I've been I've sort of been giving away the results before. It doesn't really matter at this point. It's it's been two weeks. If you haven't yeah. watched it by now, really, what are you doing? You're not listening to this podcast if you haven't watched the show. Like, unless you're like the most um, kind of hardcore spoiler avoidance person in the world. Like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but let's move. So yeah, it's a very standard sort of enjoyable TJPW tag match. A lot of characters doing their things uh, that they do. Uh, but let's speaking of characters and speaking of doing things, we move on to the next match on the card: Hyper Masao versus Shoko Nakajima. The return of the Hyper Masao versus Shoko Nakajima. Itenyon. Classic. Yeah. El now, Classico. I don't care. El, El Classico. Yes. Real Madrid of TJPW. Hyper Masao. The Real Madrid uh, versus Barcelona of TJPW. I, uh, um, it almost seems it almost seems like it doesn't do it justice to call it El Classico. You know, El Classico, okay. Classico, uh, whatever the one. El Classico if Derby. every player El Classico if every player had a hammer and rabbit ears. Um and instead I of think, scoring goals, you know they were just I, climbing the arena. Finley, I think you've just fixed football. I th- yeah, I think this would solve this would solve corruption. This would solve match day revenue. Just dress, give everybody a hammer, and just let them go apeshit. Like if they, you know what, if they'd included that in the proposal for the European Super League, they would have gotten away with it. I think everyone would Absolutely. have wanted to see it. Absolutely. Hide from myself versus Shoko Nakajima. This 
Um, I was very fortunate at this show to be sat next to a Japanese man who spoke very good English and was very happy to translate for me. Uh, for those, so for those of you who are unaware, Hyper Masao vs. Shoko Nakajima, sort of a, a little classic developing in TJPW every January 4th. Uh, the two, probably the two weirdest wrestlers on the roster, go as weird as they can. Um, and it's always a completely off-the-wall uh, fantastic time. Uh, this year, they had three rabbits suspended above the ring and I think I believe it was two of the rabbits had new rule sets and one rabbit won the match. If I'm correct. Yes. yes. And uh do you want to expect do you you remember those uh rule changes that were included? Yes. So as I recall, the first so basically they wrestle for a bit, it's a standard kind of ladder match uh for a while. And then I think Shoko climbs up the ladder to the right hand side and picks up the stipulation. And that stipulation, I believe, is that it turns the match into a lumberjack match. But it's not just any lumberjack match. It's a lumberjack match full of TJPW wrestlers dressed up as rabbits and wielding hammers. And I don't remember who they all were. I think it was Maharu was there. Arisu was, was there. Himawari was, was there. Yeah, um, it was a lot of the, re- it was the wrestlers that had uh, gone before. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was incredible because, like, you, it, they were just like indiscriminately beating down on whenever one of them left the ring. They would just be swarmed by this group of like bloodthirsty, hammer wielding rabbits. Um, and like, it was just like Mahiro obviously is the most apologetic woman in the world, but like, she just like with this plain expression, just like wailing on Shoko or Masao every time they left the ring. Well, um, that's not you. You talk about the bloodthirsty rabbits. How about the bloodthirsty Masao? disguising herself as a rabbit so that she could join in beating down yeah, Shoko. Um, this was one of the most like gifable matches I think that the year's gonna see because there were so many just like delightful like um there was that moment where they were all uh, kind of running around the ring and then Arisu slips and ends up like drawing the ire of all the other rabbits and getting hammered. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah and like... of course the <laughs> A return. They went fully medieval. A return to the beautiful chivalrous combat of the 14th century, when Hypermisao on the Hypermi cycle, and Shoko Nakajima on, I guess, what would you call the Shin Ultra Scooter, yeah. <laughs> faced each other down <laughs> and had a joust in the middle of Corican Hall. This this match was insane. So obviously, like, because there was the lumberjack match, and then the second stipulation was that you could just use anything. It was no longer just a ladder. Yeah, match. you could. So, yeah, you could add your bring your own weapons. Yeah. yeah. So they um, I, could, I, don't, I don't remember what Masao's was. Obviously, Shoko brought out like her kaiju figurine collection because she yeah. uses that every January fourth, and they're a bitch to take a bump on. Like that is they do one they, of the most like violent Shoko picks up this gigantic. Mecha Godzilla and planted it in the middle of the ring, and it was the most intimidating. It was the most intimidating use of a plastic Godzilla toy I've ever seen. <laughs> like, oh, it's it's insane because it's like you have like the the pointed end of the kaiju as well. It's like oh, it's sickening. Um, well, it's and... sickening. You speak of like sickening bumps. Shoko Nakajima 
the first person I've seen in a wrestling match to use the most painful and deadly weapon known to man, uh, a Razor scooter. Um, for any of us who had chartered, um, you remember the pain of a Razor scooter to the ankle was like nothing else, you know? <laughs> I don't think being shot, being stabbed, giving birth, none of it matches getting clocked with one of those bad boys. And Shoko uh, really <laughs> pulled it above her head and brought it down with fury upon it just, her. Yeah, it folded in half, man. It was. <laughs> and then I, uh... the best part. I, best part. She like raised it above her head in triumph, like Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> um, celebrating a kill. But <laughs> from my perspective, live, um, I unfortunately did not capture this on video. But I just saw. A scooter popping above the ring end front and a yell. <laughs> it was the most bizarre thing I think I've ever experienced in person. It was. I think that of all the matches that took place on January 4th in Tokyo, I think that's the one that's going to live longest in the memory of any wrestling fan because that was just. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, moving on from that experience I guess is the only real way to describe it. You don't really <laughs> you don't watch the Shoko Nakajima Hyper Missile January 4th match. You experience it. We go to maybe one of the most momentous matches on the card. The Princess of Princess title number one contendership six man delayed entry battle royal. You can say that again. This, the, uh, I don't think I could. This was this I was to be honest, I was not expecting a lot from this match. I don't know why, but I think it's whenever I my own like weird wrestling taste gear quite heavily towards singles matches. So whenever I see a lot of wrestlers on a match announcement, I think, oh, I'd rather you know, I prefer a singles match or a number one contendership or something like that. Yeah, but this was I really like this match. This was really good. I thought that obviously the way TJPW handle battle royals is, I mean, this was a delayed entry one anyway, so you got a lot of like, um, everybody got ample room to breathe. Um, I, I, I did, I mean, obviously this was a really painful match for Hikari Noah fans once again because she got she got eliminated, I think, before everybody had even gotten in. Um, so she was quite um, inauspiciously dumped out of this she one. Had, she had um, quite, she, she did a bit, you're very I apologize, listeners. I'm, my... I'm very sour today. I'm not. You are. You're very bitter. <laughs> I just want. I wanted Raywood Double A Cannon and Free Wi-Fi to wrestle for the tag belts, and now neither of them are going to do that. And I'm yeah, just. I'm taking Finley, my rage on. Fin Finley, every... if I'm the one that has to like carry the sort of personality and joy of this podcast, <sighs> we, we might as well finish here. We've we've <laughs> turned into every other wrestling podcast. It's just relentless misery now. <laughs> just too. Two white boys complaining <laughs> in re-wrestling podcasts. Remember the old days when Ray were double A cannon were winning? That was bring those back. Uh, no. Uh, so let's do it. So I think there was there were a load of great, great little moments that wrestlers a few of the wrestlers had in this match. I particularly like Rika Tatsumi, rather than just entering the ring. Uh, doing her jumping entrance from the top rope for no reason other than just to do it. 
and then immediately getting beaten down by every other participant in the match. <laughs> Uh, a true, a wonderful moment there. Uh, Suzume eating shit, always a fantastic moment. Um, and once once again, I will not be explaining that. Uh, one day, we're going to get to the heart of that one day, but I'm going to sit you down and we're going to turn this into an interrogation as to your hatred of this pure, innocent bee. Okay, well, I, I tell you what, right now we can do like a 30-minute teardown of the entire Reiwa AA cannon getting their asses kicked. I don't. I really don't want to do that. I don't think that. I think you're abusing your power here. Okay. What power? <laughs> um. So, but let's focus on who this match was really about, which was Maki Ito and Mizuki. Ito Respect Army explodes in Corican Hall. Yes. This was a the beautiful two, closing stretch. It was fantastic. They were sort of left quite. I felt quite early on, but. Actually, it was not actually. It was they had a, they had a very long stretch just with themselves towards the end of the match, and it was, I think, because it was only about five minutes or something. It, although it felt much longer, uh, in a fantastic, in a great way, not in a bad way. <laughs> it felt much longer, but they were just they just went all out. They were going and hitting each other was as like all their all their moves. Um, just putting it, it felt like an, um, it felt like I really want to see a Maki Ito versus Mizuki singles match, big singles match very soon. Yes, like anytime you put those two in a ring together, you're going to get, I think, because they build so heavily on their past, and because Maki Ito is one of the best at just like sheer, like, I want to fuck you up energy. Um, and she reserves a lot of that for Mizuki. Um, it's yeah. just always a great dynamic whenever they, Maki, whenever they wrestle. Maki Ito, of course, not really, not no longer a secret. Has not been a secret for a very long time. Um, one of the best storytellers and characters in wrestling. Um, in addition to just being a really good wrestler, and when it comes to people like it's Mizuki and Miyu Master, those he finds. She's already a great wrestler by herself. She finds a complete other level and just turns it completely up. And Mizuki is just always good. There's no it yeah. Mizuki is Mizuki. We love Mizuki. Mizuki. And I've been I've been on the Mizuki for POP bandwagon for quite some time. So that that we're getting that at Grand Princess, um, I'm very excited about. Yes, uh, so uh way to spoil the ending of this match. Oh, no. Well ago. well listen, listen. We can we can move on. <laughs> so Miz Mizuki with a delayed cutie special that is one of the a, she, it's one of the most impressive feats of strength I've ever seen from someone who must weigh about I don't know thirty pounds soaking wet like she's incredibly strong yeets Ito over her head with the cute delayed cutie special and pins her to win the number one contendership. And of course, you know we, we we don't know what the result of the main event is. It could have been her against Miyu Yamashita. Yes, yes, we'll get to get to that. No one, once again, we remind you, uh, please, we will not spoil this huge event that happened two weeks ago. This that is they a spoiler. Have multiple We've not given since. a single spoiler yet. This is a spoiler we have not. This is completely spoiler free. Ignore we've the made, last. We've made oh. we've made everything up. None of this happened. Yes, this is just this is just our fantasy booking. 
I'm making myself depressed. Yeah, Finley's a masochist. <laughs> He's fancying for Dora's favorites to lose. Uh, next match, Mia Watanabe versus Trisha Dora. We, we already sort of talked about this. Just a very solid uh, Bret Hart-esque <laughs> defense where there's a lot of limb work and just solid fundamentals. And Mia Watanabe finding a new way to swing someone. Really can't complain. Yeah, just a really solid match. And Mia Watanabe won, so everyone won. There we go. Well, I mean, you got to see Mia Watanabe win live, so that's, you know... You actually got, got to Mi meet Watanabe You won. actually got to meet Mia Watanabe, didn't you? I did get to meet Mia Watanabe uh, at the TJPW sort of meet and greet signing after the show, um, which I thought would be quite quick and easy. And as it was... Uh, involved waiting a very long time because it turns out I am not the only person on earth who likes Mia Watanabe. It's a lot of people and so by the end of the event everyone else was sort of the last few wrestlers that were left were signing like one or two last things and Mia still had a line that stretched to the other end of the hall so it was it was really an endurance saga for me. Uh, and you also took great delight in uh, messaging me at the time that you bonded with her over your profile picture, or your former profile picture. Uh, my uh, former profile picture, which include, which for those of you who don't know, um, it was drawn by our, our wonderful cover artist, uh, Jimmy Gavagool on Twitter, who does some wonderful TJPW fan art. You've almost certainly seen him if you've ever been on Twitter and uh, followed TJPW in any capacity. Um, it was a image of me Watanabe swinging Sayuri Namba around uh, in giant swing style. Uh, me took, took a lot of joy from that. She took more joy from the fact that I had um, L, my Twitter name, my Twitter handle was in, uh, in L-O-V-E for arrest. <laughs> uh, and then she did the hand signs and I did them back and she was amazed that someone else, that I could do them. Uh, and it was, it was uh, I, this is a very weird, this is very weird recounting it. It was just a very wholesome, very nice interaction. I don't have anything to say about that. She's a very nice, the, the woman whose job it is to be very nice and charming is, was very nice and charming. I was hoping we'd have some like behind the scenes dirt that actually she's just like really horrible and like broke your phone or whatever. No, no, I can say that, um, Max the Impaler, uh, at one point, Mahiro tried to leave the hall after her signing was finished, and she was too scared to walk past Max the Impaler. <laughs> and so she en it ended up with a yell and a sprint. Mahiro just sprinting <laughs> from the hall. Um, Max also, by the way, if you want my my unofficial popularity rankings based on how long the line was at the signing, Max the Impaler. An incredibly popular wrestler with TJPW. <laughs> well, next we have uh, speaking of Max Impaler, the Wasteland War Party Princess Tag Team match. Uh, I don't want we to talk, talk about this. We don't have to talk about this. We can move on. We can skip past this. It's fine. Well, I think no, because we touched on it already. <laughs> but I feel like we really need to go into detail. So, uh, Wasteland War Party um, felt like a war party that rolled in from the wasteland. Uh, just absolutely dominated this match. It was, it was, it was. Look, 
if you want my objective wrestling journal, this breakdown of this match, it was very, it was very kind of typical of um, a Rayward double A cannon defense, which is the kind of Yuki Hirai gets hammered on for a bit. Saki Akai kind of comes in and uh, breaks up the offense a bit. Though obviously they, the difference here was that Rayward double A cannon kind of got beaten on a lot more than they usually do. Um, yeah, the the difference usually Saki Akai is stronger than whoever is beating the crap out of Yuki Arai, but West, no one is stronger than Wasteland War Party. Oh, this was, so um, she this just was... got the pace kicked out of her as well. This was just a horrible viewing experience. This was one of the, like, genuinely one of the most scarring things I've had to see in my life, um, because it's like you had, like, normally in a Rayward Double A kind of match, you're kind of firm in that Yuki Arai is going to get beaten on, Saki Akai is going to come in and overpower the other person. There's going to be a bit of a back and forth. Yuki Arai gets tagged in, does the axe kick, that they win. In this one, it was just like Saki Akai comes in and is still overpowered by Max. Um, and it was just like, it was like, it was like watching a pet get killed before you before your eyes. It was it was a really traumatic, um, really quite harrowing experience. It was like if I heard of the film Say though, it was like watching that. It was it was it was awful. Um, I would just like to uh, take this moment to point out that the views of Finley do not reflect the views of the Tokyo Jeshu Freedom Fighters podcast. <laughs> and uh, for any members of the Wasteland War Party that may be uh, listening. Uh, I thought you were wonderful, and I taste much worse than him. Uh, please don't eat wow, me. Okay. Look, they, they can eat. I've got nothing to live for anymore. They can eat me if they want. <laughs> okay. I, that's a danger, dangerous offer. And speaking of dangerous, the main event, the Princess of Princess title match, Yuka Sakazaki versus me, Yamashita. Um, the sort of the longest running and perhaps the central rivalry in TJPW, um, Yuka Sakazaki and Miyu Master, the, this has been a rivalry that has built over the course of almost the promotions, almost its entire history. Um, and between, I'd, if this felt like it's the match after many years, they've been building to this point, and this was the match. Like, this is the match that they've wanted for so long. Um, everything came to this point. Yeah, like, like there, there were people there were people that were upset that this match was happening because they were like, oh, we want new blood in the main event. And then they just came out and were like, this is why we're in the main event, because this match fucked. This was amazing. Um, yes, yeah, it's amazing when, when a promotion books the two best wrestlers in the company in the main event. You will get a really good main event. Um, yeah, but you know, people, people, as you know, people on Twitter know more than the professionals, Finley. If there's one thing I'm, that we, yeah, know. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I defer to the greater judgment of the uh, of the Twitter, the Twitter, of the Twitter community. Twitter has never been wrong about anything, never, ever, ever, and that's why you should follow at FBH on Twitter for the best wrestling takes. Uh, yes, for the best, extremely sad wrestling takes. Uh, but yeah, me and Yamashita versus Yuka Sakazaki, this was the act, this was for, and we spoke earlier about how TJPW has this very unique style that is very fundamentally sound and doesn't include many, uh, sort of, uh, doesn't include many sort of like, of the, the sort of Kenny Omega maximalism, 
that is sort of on trend in wrestling at the moment. Um, but when something like that does creep into it, it really, it really shows. And we can now officially say, shoot headbutts are in TJPW. Yes, this was a very startlingly violent match, um, especially by the standards of TJPW. Um, there were there were kind of two standout spots to me. Um, the first involved, I think it was somebody was going for a suplex to the outside. I think it might have been Mew was going for a suplex, and then they kind of buckled over the top. Um, uh, yeah, it was Yuka did her sort of triangle choke over the top rope. Ah, yes, yes. So and <laughs> instead of choking Mew. Pulled her entirely over the top rope and to the outside. Yeah, yeah. So Yuka um, has her in the choke, and they kind of tumble over, and Miyu just splatters her head on the floor. She <laughs> falls flat on her back and cracks her head right on the wood of the Corican floor. Yeah, and I think uh, she got legitimately messed up. From she that. did. She almost. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, after this match, Miyu went to hospital with a concussion. Uh, uh, almost certainly from that incident, because that's like the textbook concussion. Yes, uh, and this, this happened very this was, early on in the match. Yeah, it happened very early on in the match, and she keeps going. She just yeah. wrestles a whole match. She wrestles a whole title match with a concussion. Yeah, and this was not this was not a concussion friendly match. There were like proper hardcore strikes to the head. There was no. that. Uh, there was well, a moment. Well, there was a German. The mute. You mashed a German suplex onto the floor. Yeah. Uh, for Yuka, a brain buster. Was it on the apron or on the floor? Yuka did. Yuka, yeah, a Yuka brain buster to a concussed Mew. And of course, the piece de resistance, Mew Yamashita, having cracked the back of her head on the Corican floor, having taken a brain buster to the apron, climbs up to the top rope and gives Yuka Sakazaki a shoot headbutt. <laughs> this, this woman this is this woman is completely out of her mind. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, like, obviously I do not speak for the broader wrestling community, because obviously if you do have a concussion, you should do whatever you can to, you know, look after the safety of your performers. But the fact that she did all that after having concussed herself was cool as shit. Like I don't care what anybody says. This match Yeah, was... it's it's absolutely hundred percent not recommended and we do not advocate yeah. it whatsoever. But the like the sort of story of the the champion ace powering through the insurmountable <laughs> physical pain, and like actually at one point they like she was really being affected by it in the match. Um, she did like her legs kind of went out from under her while they were on the outside, just a few feet from me at one point, and I thought, oh Christ, there's something wrong. <laughs> um, but she, yeah, she powered through it and had a fantastic there is nothing that can stop Miriam Master having a great main event apparently yeah even even like apart, deep physical trauma yeah uh, yeah Miriam Master can overcome anything she can overcome concussions she can <laughs> overcome well i guess we could say she can overcome pretty much everything but thunder rosa <laughs> to uh, have a great well. main event anyway uh 
so yeah, me, Master vs. Yuki Sakazaki, we knew it was going to be good. It was great. Um, it not felt like the match that those two have been building towards their entire careers to have that level of uh, sort just a stunning uh, main event level yeah. match. Uh, and it has advanced uh, one of so uh, one of uh, a person I follow on Twitter, the uh, who runs the wonderful uh, Puro Puri podcast. Uh, they wrote a fantastic article about the concept of how, how TJPW uh, tells a story by the way of just constant improvement, how um, they're always building and people are always developing and they're always going somewhere, which is why uh, things like um, booking and story arcs and stuff that people complain about takes so long is because they're they're improving on an arc. Everything is earned. Everything is developed. And so you have this promotion now. You can see that because you have this promotion now that has come from uh, 10 years ago wrestling on a mat in a theater in Akihabara to having shoot headbutts on the top rope at Corican Hall in front of a thousand fans. Um, it's T this is one of the thing one of the reasons that TJPW is so rewarding to watch in the long term is you're watching this something unique and incredible building before your eyes and everything and you it's never nothing skipped nothing's rushed uh, nothing it can feel like it's taking so long at times because of that but that's because it's all organic and uh it's like a, it's like a tree growing before you uh, in real time and a lot of people there'll be a lot of people that will complain about how the tree is taking too long to grow but it'll get there in the end and it'll be magnificent when it does and that's we we were seeing that one of those that sort of blossom of talent of these two wrestlers that have come so far and have done so much for the promotion finally reaching that place that you know so many people uh, so many people think that they're at or want to be, they've got there. They've reached the mountaintop together. Yeah. And I, I think, think it was... You can never accuse TJPW of wasting a story or of hot yeah. anything. There's all like it's so methodically planned out and it's so it's one of the things like it's a really easy promotion to dive into because of the comedy and because of the kind of the the wacky vibrance of it. But it's also so rewarding if you follow it on a long-term basis because you're watching these wrestlers grow both in a literal sense because a lot of them are rookies that are coming from nothing but also in a narrative sense like the seeds are planted and you're watching it develop throughout the years and throughout the the the, the different shows um it's a really just um uh really rewarding long-term wrestling viewing and i don't think you get a lot of that um in the broader scene, it's one of the frustrations that a lot of people have with the bigger companies is that they'll hotshot things and they'll abandon plans and they'll kind of do things to pop a rating, which is something that I don't think TJPW ever do or ever have to do. Mm. Um, they're do very things, free. They, they will do. They will do like random sort of swerves or stories will just get dropped and never resolved. It's it's wrestling for the sake of story and not wrestling for the sake of 
um, you know, popping a rating or or, or just it's, yeah, they're, the, they're doing the fans, so. it's it, it's 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 following a story and a plan, and it's not following necessarily just ticket sales. Yeah. Wait. Like, ironically, I think by avoiding fan service, they become the most rewarding promotion to follow as a fan because they're not yes. doing it for like the people that are the most vocal or for the people that are the most whiny. They're doing it because they think that it's the story that they want to tell. And that as like for any piece of media, that's what I want. I want to be told a good story. I don't want mm. to be kind of I don't want the most annoying people on the Internet to be catered to all the time. I just want to sit down and watch a good story. And I think TJPW more than any promotion is so good at doing that. Yeah, they're they're do it it's not they're not doing it for the sake of obviously, you know, it's a business. They are trying to make money, but they're not they're trying to make money by presenting the best product they can and not by just going, Oh, what what do people like? Uh uh what 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 can we what will sell? Uh let's do that. Yeah. They're leading they're, much, yeah. they're leading it's and they're not following. Yeah, it's the anti-JJ Abrams method of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, the anti-JJ Abrams. <laughs> oh, JJ Abrams. Let, let us never speak his name again on this podcast. But enemy now... Anyway, the official enemy of the podcast, JJ Abrams. Uh, now, let's move on from Itenyon. Uh Well, actually, we should... So we'll just cap off it in by saying of course Mizuki won the Princess of Princess number one contender Battle Royal so we know our main event for uh, Grand Princess Ariake Arena Yuka Zakazaki versus Mizuki Magical Sugar Rabbits explode in Ariake yes. uh, I believe the first time they've faced off since Wrestle Princess the first one I believe so and, and- well if you saw that match, you know you're in for it. We're in for a classic. Yeah. In for a, an absolute. In for a true. Uh, what would the word be? Uh, a marathon match by TJPW yeah. standards. Uh, their last match, I believe, is the record holder for length of a TJPW singles match: twenty-five minutes. Whoa. I mean, I mean really, like a New Japan main event. That's a, that's a sprint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For almost any other promotion, that is like the shortest main event match you'll get. <laughs> and here they are cranking out, breaking records. Could we see a twenty-six minute marathon? Who wow, knows? That's, that's, that's a bit too much. But this was Will this is be, going to be. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a real tearjerker match. Um, <laughs> it probably there is going to be a lot of emotions and a lot of. Absolutely crazy shit. Yeah, like I am. I'm somebody who um, I, I cry very easily. I imagine that like the second they start kind of giving each other puppy eyes, <laughs> I'm going to break down. Um, because like I said, like we we said that Makito is one of the best at like um, kind of physical storytelling. Mizuki's also fantastic at that. Um, as is yeah. Yuka. Yuka Sakazaki, um, yeah, fantastic at physical storytelling as well. Yeah, so like these are two of the absolute best at just like tugging on your heartstrings um going at it in the main event of the biggest show that they'll ever have so this is going to be like a, a massive um a massive match um mm. i'm just i'm really looking forward to it yeah i i think we all are it's a huge match uh will it be the year of the rabbit who knows 
I hope so. I can't stand yeah. another of my favorites losing a title match. And now I instantly want Yuka to just absolutely dominate her just so that I <laughs> again. We're uh, not going to have a podcast in a few months' time. Well, probably not. Well, moving on from Itenyon, and speaking of Finley crying, we're in the middle of the TJPW Max Heart Tournament 3 tag tournament time. Uh, a wonderful little... Uh, we've had a wonderful little first few rounds now. Uh, we're halfway through. We're just about to hit the semi-finals and then the finals. Uh, so a quick recap of the uh, first few rounds, which is every team that Finley wanted to win lost. This has been a very, a very difficult. I mean, so look, um, I'm not sure where we're going to start, but I mean, the one that got everybody's go in the first round was free Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi, a very beloved team amongst the TJPW fan community. Everybody loves them. They're they're great. They're fun. Um, had a, quite a decent showing last year, and people were like, well, maybe they're going to. They, people thought they were going to be the ones to defraud Majirabi, but then. An even better team came along and did that. Um, so free Wi-Fi in the first round pitted against uh, one to a million, uh, Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito, which is the most... If you're going to pit them against a team where you're like, okay, yeah, I don't really think they're going to get through this, that is the team. And lo and behold, yes. uh, Miyu and Maki won. And free Wi-Fi got yes. eliminated in the first round. And I and many other people on the internet were devastated. Um, this, I mean, look, I'm obviously the biggest Raywood double kind of fanboy in the world, but I'm also a big free Wi-Fi fan. Um, I feel like, again, like we mentioned with Arisu Endo, that they're kind of building to something for her. I feel that must be the case for Hikari Noah, who well, came into... I tell you what, after... So after uh, the last show, uh, there's a wonderful account on Twitter called Storybook TJPW that does uh, English translations of TJPW backstage comments. Uh, and I really recommend you give them a follow if you are on Twitter, because uh, an actual human being doing translations is always better than a machine translator, particularly yes. for Japanese. Um, and you miss out. There is a lot that is a lot of little nuggets of stories and information that is gets dropped in these comments that I think a lot of fans miss. Um, and a lot of the time when fans sort of think, oh, why, why did that happen? Why did it was, they told you about it. It's just that you weren't, <laughs> you didn't read the comments. Um, that, so in the last show, uh, Hikari, after the show where Hikari and uh, now spoilers lost, uh, because death taxes and Miyu Yamashita are the three most invent- inevitable things in life. Uh, they Hikari commented that now is officially her first ever tag team partner that's lasted more than a year. <laughs> so her her other two tag team partners, uh Natsumi Maki, uh now known as Natsupoi in Stardom and Senashiori, both left the company <laughs> within a year of her being tag partners with her. Um so I would say from her end actually free wi-fi is something of a raging success by our standards this is one of the things that actually endears me the most free wi-fi because if you follow uh now on twitter uh she made a tweet a few weeks ago which was something along the lines of like i'm somebody who struggles a lot with self-confidence um 
But when I'm teaming with Hikari, I feel as though I can do anything. It's like the support between those two is just the most wholesome thing in the world. So even when they lose, you're like, well, at least they have each other, you know? Um, it's a very wholesome, very... Um, just one of those, yeah, just really nice tag teams. So even if the booking is, you know, not to your taste, you can't stay mad for too long because, you know... Um, they're just a very lovely well, it's, team. It's they're just they're just very wholesome friends. Yeah, like it's, you can. Uh, and one day, Hikari will achieve her dream of um, I don't know, horribly mutilating someone in the ring with now in her corner. Uh, but <laughs> so yeah, uh, Death Taxes Miyu Master uh, one to a million through to the second round. But there's a bit of there's a bit of discord in the camp. Once again, thanks to Storybook TJPW for the translation. Uh, Maki Ito, perhaps the most perpetually insecure woman in the world, if you couldn't guess by the fact that she yells, who is the cutest in the world at every match and begs for the crowd to cheer her on. Uh, Maki Ito is very unsure whether or not Miyu Yamashita is indeed uh, her best friend and best partner. Or whether or not Miyu just wants to win and sees her as a means to an end. Um, so perhaps some discord going on within the seemingly unstoppable one to a million team. Yes, this was actually, they, they had a few um, backstage comments last year. I think it was during the Max Art run um, where Maki was kind of pestering Miyu about whether her love for her was true. Um, and it culminated in a backstage segment where Miyu Yamashita grabs a mirror and threatens to beat Maki with it while shouting, I love you, Maki Ito, um, which is just the most beautiful um, romantic uh, expression of love you can give to somebody. Yeah, like something out of a Jane Austen novel, truly. <laughs> I mean, see, I can, you could just imagine Mr. Darcy grabbing a mirror and just <laughs> hanging it over Elizabeth and it's screaming, I love you, I love you. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, speaking of uh, tag teams that truly love each other and are each other's best partner, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, Kyoraku Kyome uh, are through to the se- on the other side of the bracket, through to the semi-finals uh, with a win over. I this is embarrassing. It I literally watched it an hour ago and it's popped out of my head. Ah. <laughs> uh... Save me, save me. I don't know. Hang on, wait, I'm going to. Oh, see God, you're useless. Neko Torabami, oh. there we go. Ah, oh, there we go, there we go. The um, <laughs> bird and the cat. The bird and the cat are a. Yeah, spe- so we talk about one to a million being uh, mismatched pairs. A bird and a cat. Yeah, that, that seems a bit of a conflict. I mean, thankfully, they, they didn't end up kind of tearing each other apart, but uh, yeah. I, I do fear for Torabami. Um, Surely natural enemies. Yeah, um, maybe it's one of those like uh, can they coexist storylines? Um, maybe, maybe very well. Yeah. But Kyoraku Kome uh, almost actually almost an upset when Neko jumped Masao before the bell, before she had even a chance to ask for the mic and address the crowd. Uh, the bird and the cat jumped Kyoraku Kome and pulled Masao's cape over her head, <laughs> blinding her. Um, and then, after which Shoko recovered, and then had directed Masao around the ring to hit their tag moves on each other. Um, truly, <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually I 
messaged you while this match was going on, and I said once again, I can't. Every single time you see Masao, she comes up with something new and inventive, and I can't imagine the creativity of a woman who has a match every single week and every single week does something to make it interesting or different. That's the thing about Masao. It's like every single show, even if it's just like a random tour match, she'll come up with some kind of new twist that you haven't seen before, and you're like, surely. The well of ideas has to be running dry, but she'll come up with something else. Uh, like, she did not need to come up with a creative spot for this match. It's a tournament match against Haruna Neko and Kaya Torabami, but she still managed to come up with, like, a fresh new idea. Um, yeah, genuinely one of the most, like, endlessly creative talents um, I've seen in a wrestling ring. Um hmm. And this was this was a surprisingly close match, by the way. Like you would think, like there's no chance in hell that Neko and Torabami get a win here. But there were like several moments where I like legit thought that Neko was going to be in the semi-final of a tag team tournament, which is probably more an indictment on my gullibility than than the match itself. But uh, this was a really surprisingly back and forth match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a surprisingly close match. Kyoraku Kyome ultimately victorious. Uh, and through to the semi-finals. And, but speaking of surprisingly close, and speaking of surprises in general, uh, Daisy Monkey, the team of my eternal nemesis, Suzume and Arisendo, versus Karate, kar- wait, Karate Tag, apparently, I'm reading. Wow. <laughs> I've very got it in creative. front of me on Twitter. Yeah, very creative. The Karate Girls, let's just call them. Uh, Jurian Nagano and Maki Miyamoto. They won. Karate Girls won. Yes. So this kind of continuing the running theme of people I want to win, not winning. Um, Arisu and Suzume come into this. And again, like we say, Arisu, a bit of a, a pattern of losing to people who are kind of um, more junior than her. Uh, they're really big on Juria, uh, especially if we're seeing they're this very big on Juria. This was, well, interesting. This is a rematch of Juria's debut match. Ooh. Of Mocha teaming with Mocha against Suzume and Endo, uh, and this time victorious. <laughs> yes, uh, and she got, obviously they got the win over. Um, I don't know how you pronounce it. Toyo Daisy Monkey. No, the in the first Wait. round, Maharo and uh, Kamiyu. Uh, Toyo University. Yes, and that was a uh, that was that that in itself was an upset. So the fact that they're in the semi-finals, big badge of. Yeah, it was uh, so upset. Um, Particularly, uh, Camille was very upset about that. Yeah. Um, a lot of yelling that went on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, this a lot is, of um... the... Oh, yeah. Big run for Juria. Big run for Juria. Yeah. She's getting stronger and stronger. But, again, it's one of those things. It's sort of like the Yuki Arai thing uh, in that Juria is, is part of this very successful team and yet uh, very, very rarely feels like she's in control of the match. <laughs> kind of gets her ass beat for long portions. Um, the difference between, of course, Yuki Arai and Jiri Nagano is that Jiri Nagano is a karate world champion. So there are quite there are a few segments of her absolutely beating the shit out of people, <laughs> and they are the <laughs> some of like the best like little sequences in wrestling is when Jiri Nagano like screams and does her karate street fighter power up <laughs> and just lays into someone. It's one, like of the closest, combo. one of the closest sensations you can get to a live-action anime power-up is, is watching it Juria. Is. 
she should like yell her catchphrase like as she does it, as she like charges up, like Kame, Kame, and then just oh, beats the crap out of Suzume. Just has like an aura of fames around her, though. Yeah, you can feel like you can see like the energy in her. <laughs> see the energy building around her in the air. Um, but Moku Miyamoto wants the sort of um, the sort of put upon rookie. Now the savior of the t- of, in tag match is flying in with the leg lariats, saving the day, uh, dropping the twisting brain buster on Arisendo, <laughs> which is like. The, the, that used to be just like a hangman's neckbreaker, and now it's like the coolest, it's maybe the coolest finisher in TJPW. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, that my uh, Mocha, somebody else that kind of like has had an understated kind of because um, I was not big on Mocha when I first saw her, she was not that interesting. Um, and I especially thought when Juria came in, well, kind of here's a more interesting karate wrestler, but they've complemented each other really well. And I think Mocha in herself has come into um, a really good wrestler. She had that match against Miu last year. Um, yeah, so the Mocha, match think... right, at the end, right at the end of the year, Miu's first international princess title defense. Yeah. And a I think really that good match. Kind of, um, kind of opened a lot of people into, you know, Mocha can carry, well, not carry, but can be in a good singles main event and not have yeah. to be kind of handheld through it. So, yeah. Shout mm, out, Mocha. Absolutely. Uh, I think a fantastic. Uh, she is, she's really coming to her own sort of as a wrestler and she seems to get stronger and stronger with furious presence. So they kind of feed off each other very well. Yes. Uh, and so then we come to so we've gone through yeah the karate girls Kyoraku Kyome and one to a million. Okay, so we now it's time to discuss the final team in the semi-finals of the TGPW <sighs> Max Heart Tag Tournament. Um, and I'm just going to leave it Finley. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about right? This, uh, so for the bit? context of the listeners, we're recording this podcast actually immediately after watching this match for the first time. So this match was the team of Daydream, uh, Miyu Watanabe and Rika Tatsuyumi against. My beloved Rayo Double A Cannon. Um, it's been a rough month to be a Rayo Double A Cannon fan. They lost the tag belts. Um, that in itself was devastating. So coming into this, I had I was kind of like, well, look, they're not going to do over my favorite tag team twice in one month. I need a one up. I need a win against Mi Watanabe so I can make fun of Sam on the podcast. Everything's going to be fine. And then, obviously, as fate would have it, Rayo Double A Cannon got eliminated. Uh, yes, you forgot. That you can't beat Miyu Watanabe. She is inevitable. Sam's best friend Miyu Watanabe made it into the semi-final. Um, this was, I mean, to be fair, this match fucked. This was great. This was like a fantastic match. Um, there was one sequence in particular where I think Miyu was going for a move and then Saki turned it into... Uh, um... So, yeah, so there was a point... Well, I want to point out there. I just want to point out, so I think there are a lot of people that are going to be hearing um, Finley's sort of, you know, pained whinings, and they may begin to feel sorry for Rui Watanabe Cannon. But there was a moment where Saki Akai had Miyu Watanabe in a triangle choke, and Miyu lifted her up in a deadlift, and we, we got so close to Miyu Watanabe, the up-up girl, pink idol wrestler, 
tornado bombing <laughs> someone like she was Kensuke Sasuke. <laughs> like we were that we were that close. We were this close to perfection. And I don't think I could have handled ruined it. In- I don't think I could have handled how insufferable you would have been had that happened that, as well. But um, my life would have peaked. I might, my head might have exploded. <laughs> I don't. Um, there would, there would have been nothing better. Uh, but yeah, so Saki Akai uh, took away the greatest wrestling move that never was uh, the Miyu Watanabe tornado bomb. But on the plus side. There was a moment where, uh, yeah, I think it was like some sort of little reverse. Saki reversed the move into Quetzalcoatl, uh, which is her finisher. And then instead of going over for the move, Miu just picks her up <laughs> and held her in the air for Rika to hit with her finish. That was such a heartbreaking because I was convinced that was going to be the finish because the transition into the Quetzalcoatl was so cool. And I was like, oh, gosh, yeah, this is going to be the moment. And then she just like lingers in the air for a while. And I could feel my heart shattering into a million pieces as I watched like yeah. Miu dragging well, Saki back. We, to a, we to talked back. about we talked about how like these little things that don't re- because they're so uncommon in TJPW. These things that we see all the time in wrestling feel so much bigger. And more important, and like when you see like New Japan matches where there's like a chain of like fifteen different reversals of finishes, they all sort of blend together, and they don't. Re- it's just like two guys going through the motions of. Um, but then when they just have one big reversal that completely, you're completely not expecting it. And it comes out of nowhere, and it it feels like such a bigger moment for yeah, that. That's the thing. For the fact this that they're have, sparing with it, this could have been just like another spot in like a load of other spots. But because it was like the focal point of that closing stretch, it was like it it got you so well. Um, and I fully expected that to be the finish because it's something that you rarely ever see. Um, but yeah, this was like this was. Outside of the, you know, unbearable emotionally ag- emotional agony of it, this was a good match. Um, probably, without doubt, the match of the tournament, I would say. Um, uh, so far, we, we still yeah. have the second half to go with the semi-finals and the finals. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. thus far, this was comfortably the best one. But, yeah, this and has that... been a really, um, really difficult tournament on, on my end. <laughs> it's been fantastic for me. Susan May's eliminated, and I get to make fun of you on the podcast, and Daydream. <sighs> through like wow. daydream and Mio by through i really can't hit one two one million and daydream my two teams are <laughs> going all the way i think <laughs> I, that brings us on to a point um predictions predictions yeah, this is now interesting. i no. <sighs> yeah because the winner first. of this the winner of this obviously is going to be facing one what uh, assuming they don't lose it beforehand wasteland war party at grand princess um, yeah, Wasteland War Party, who do have a princess tag title defense on a deadlock for a wrestling show very yes. soon. Yeah. But one would be um, surprised if they, if they lost it there, to be it honest. Would be very, it would be very surprising if they lost the tag titles in a different company on the outside of the world to two wrestlers that have never appeared in Tokyo Joshi for <laughs> wrestling. Yes. I, don't want um, to, I don't want to throw cold water on deadlock because I think they're a great promotion. But I I don't hold out hope. 
I would I would be very surprised. So I'm going to say right away, Daydream aren't winning because Mew's the international princess champion. I don't think she's losing it before then. And I don't think she's not going to get double booked on the show. So I would be shocked if they won. Um, it could... Uh, see, one would presume if it's a big arena show, Mew Yamashita would probably have a singles match, which is what kind of puts me off the idea of 1-2 million winning. Um, but but I mean, if they... Think of it in the terms of... But we just had this long conversation about how TJPW prefers to follow its own internal yeah. universe rather than its external financial pressures necessarily. So I could see them winning just just because it makes sense for Miyu and Maki both to win the title and also be on the semi main, which the tag title yeah. match usually well, is. A point, um, a point we should add about one to a million. Um two of the most two the most well known investors in the promotion Two of the most successful wrestlers in the promotion have never held the tag belts as a team. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Miyu Yamashita has Miyu Yamashita, the most dominant champion in TJPW history, has never held the tag belts. Yeah, so that's the thing. It feels like because they're kind of the, the, she's not winning the POP belt anytime soon, and she's too good not to have it. Obviously, she has the the Eve belt, but it feels about the time if they were going to put the belts on those two now feels like the time. Um well it's going to be very momentous because as we saw with the um with the number one contendership match uh we had yeah with the number one contendership match obviously there is there is a reckoning coming with Ito and Mizuki and potentially if Mizuki wins I mean if Mizuki wins the Princess of Princess Championship Maki, there is no chance in hell that Maki Ito does not challenge for that belt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's absolutely no chance. And so you think about. Uh... Can I just yeah, add as well, by the way, something that has just occurred to me over the course of this conversation? Um, a certain person not in the Max Art tournament, Pom Harajuku, doesn't have a team. She's like the perfect choice to dethrone Waste well, One More Party. Well, I would say, yeah, I would say that for the fact that um, <laughs> perhaps she's a bit too scared to face Max again. It's because like... if you've been following the TJPW, a few of the tour shows that happened uh, during this month, uh, Max and Heidi have made something of a habit of kidnapping Joshi's, and the usual target is almost always Pom. Poor Pom. <laughs> yeah, Poor Pom. Pom. It was so brave. She was so brave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. Like, I I I I really want to see Pom. Like, it's it's just one of those fairy tale things of Pom teaming with Raku to be the one to dethrone Wasteland War Party. But she's not even in this tournament, and so it's either they retain a Grand Princess, which I don't really think is going to happen, or um, somebody else takes the belt off. But uh, yeah, like my two kind of fantasy booking options if they were double cannon winning them back or palm taking them off both seem to be off the table so i reckon off of the back of this um one to a million probably gonna take it um ah, yeah, okay so speaking of the tjpw tour shows uh an interesting thing happened uh in which uh, Mia Watanabe and Maxim Pelo were facing each other in a match, and Mia Watanabe, as she is wont to do, 
may have attempted to giant swing Max the Impaler. And uh, a little tease that many in the crowd went absolutely nuts for when they <laughs> saw it. It did not come off, but Mia Watanabe does not give up. When she can't swing something, she does not give up until she has swung that thing around. And that's why I am backing uh, my new best friend, who I talked to for like five minutes, Mia Watanabe and Rika Tatsumi, Hakachimu slash Daydream, to go all the way and be the ones to dethrone the Wasteland War Party at uh, Ariake Arena. This is just like your wet dream of Miu defending the IP title, winning the tag title. Well, don't say wet winning... dream. That sounds weird. <laughs> and then winning the <laughs> that Princess That sounds Cup really then... weird, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> your, your unrepentant fanboyism. Yes. Shall we say dream? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, your, how your, about um... this? We say daydream. Ah, there we go. My daydream. Your daydream. Me being a double champion. Yeah. All right. Uh, your your daydream. How about that? Yes. No? My daydream. Yeah, there That's we go. Much more, age, much more age appropriate. My daydream of Me Watanabe and Rika Tatsumi uh, reigning atop Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling with Me Watanabe. <laughs> sort of like that Ultimate Dragon, the Ultimate Dragon <laughs> meme photo. Of him oh, holding like thirty belts. That's Blind just to be me. Has taken over this podcast. Blind fanboyism. You've been crying about Reiwa A. 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 Cannon for like the last hour and a half. This is a very personal event. This has nothing to do with my own biases. Okay. Anyway, uh, so we've now got. So that's our picks. Then is it Montreal Million and Daydream? Yes. Yes. We, you come for the. the the alternate and surprising takes on this podcast. <laughs> and we'll just tell you, how about the four most successful wrestlers in the tournament winning? <laughs> so Daydream will be the one. I predict in Daydream in the main event, oh, not the main event, the tag title match with Grand Princess. Oh, now you're having the main event, Grand Princess. Yeah, well, Mia's just going to run a gauntlet where she wins the tag <laughs> match, the International Princess title, and then she challenges for the the top belt at the end. <laughs> That's my booking. Miyawatanabe uh, becomes Prime Minister of Japan as well. She, I take she could do a better job than the guy in the bed power at the minute. <laughs> anyway, before we get too political, um, that is, yeah, that's our predictions. One to a million uh, or Daydream. It's going to be Daydream, let's be honest, because I'm right and Finley, as uh, Finley has proven himself to be very, very wrong. <laughs> I can't even I can't even snap back because this this month has just been me constantly eating shit. So listen, maybe they will win. Who knows? Maybe they will in the end. Okay. Uh, so and also, oh, do we? Is it too? Uh, I think it's too early to predict Grand Princess. Let's wait. Yeah, we'll do that next month. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll we'll keep the listeners in suspense. We make educated picks on this show. Yeah, educated. Hopefully, uh, we will be back. Uh, sooner than uh, this time. Uh, we're planning on making this a slightly more frequent occurrence. Um, yes. Whether or not if they can, can... If I can stomach your presence for long enough. Yeah, exactly. Whether or not we can like bear to be... like Sort of like John Lennon and Paul McCartney towards the end of the Beatles. 
if we can like spend more than 20 minutes without trying to hit each other that will be a success yeah. oh wait finley's young how uh, who's younger than uh <laughs> liam and liam and noel gallagher there you go there's a more current reference i am and the yes, liam gallagher of this podcast yeah and that you're the worst member <laughs> oh well okay well let's not let's not get into that now <laughs> but <laughs> i like how we went for i went for a more current reference and i still ended up with something like 20 years out of date <laughs> <laughs> um but <laughs> uh i also made myself seem much older than you than i actually am <laughs> by saying that you're yeah. anyway my own like insecurities about my impending age i capture the hip young demographic of this uh listenership <laughs> the hip young demographic of a few years younger than me yeah. um anyway let's bring this interminable war warbling and whammering about tokyo joshi to an end for now and we'll see Thank you God. sometime in the near future i've been sam I have been Finlay. And this has been Tokyo Joshi Freedom Fighters, a presentation of the Wrestling Podcast Network. Please uh, follow Wrestling on all social media channels and subscribe to our Patreon for as little as $1 a month for access to all of our beautiful podcasts, uh, including the uh, Torovision New Japan Flight of Five Ocean Cycling Show and All Elite Listening, uh, as well as exclusive access to all our interviews uh, and content before the general public sees it uh and that will <laughs> wait wait hang on hang on hang on i've got the perfect outro i thought of this oh. uh oh, what's what's the kenny omega th uh goodbye and good night bang goodbye and good friday wow <laughs> yeah i i wasn't kidding when i said i only watched one show on january 4th anyway good night <laughs>